This Christmas season, we're studying one of the greatest gifts Jesus brought to us as believers in Him, the gift of eternal life. Today, we'll learn about the choice you have for your eternal destiny. The message is the second in the series, A Timeless Christmas. The message is entitled, The Choice That Matters Most. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Let's take a moment and welcome all the folks from our Frederick campus and all the folks from our Universities at Shady Grove campus. Give them a good round of applause and all the campuses welcome in our Gaithersburg campus as well as we continue in our series of messages this morning called A Timeless Christmas. I want to talk to you today about the choice that matters most. The Christmas season, wonderful time of the year. I love Christmas. How about you? It's a great time, a great season that we celebrate together. It's a wonderful time to remember lots of different things, but most importantly, to remember Jesus Christ and what He came to do. And the gift of Jesus Christ to our world, the advent, the coming of Christ, uh, Jesus coming, opened up all kind of gifts to us. Jesus Himself is the gift, but in Jesus, there are all kind of gifts that we experience. And one of those gifts that He promised to bring to us and did bring through His coming, through His death and resurrection, and through His ascension back to the right hand of God the Father, was the gift of eternal life. He came and promised us that we could become a part of His family and experience eternal life. And this Christmas season here at Church of the Redeemer, we're talking about a timeless Christmas, that at Christmas time we are reminded of a lot of gifts, but one of those gifts is the gift of eternal life, the fact that we get to live in Christ forever and ever with Him. In John chapter 1, verses number 10 through 12, I want to read for you a portion of past, a portion of Scripture that helps us to understand this advent of Christ. The Bible says He came, that's Jesus came, that's His advent, into the very world He created. And here's a sad statement, but the world didn't recognize Him. He came to His own people, and even they rejected Him. Two very sad verses. But notice verse number 12. But to all who believed Him and accepted Him. Notice those two phrases. Who believed Him and accepted Him, He gave the right to become children of God. The right to become a part of God's family. The right to have eternal life. What I want you to see today is that Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth so that we could go from earth to to heaven. Jesus came from heaven to earth so that we, by putting our faith in Him, could go from earth to heaven. He came to give you and me the opportunity of something absolutely incredible, eternal eternal life rather than eternal death. When it comes to eternal life, it's an offer that Jesus extends to every person who will believe in Him and accept Him, but that gift has to be accepted. It's not just something that you receive automatically. Like any gift, when it's offered, you have to reach out and actually take hold of it and accept it for your own life because God has given you a very precious gift as well, and that's the gift of free will. You get to choose what you will do with Jesus. And even as we saw in John chapter 1, there were those that rejected Jesus and those that believed in Him, and the same is true today. There are people who will accept Christ and those who will reject Him and some who will ignore Him, but we want to be in the company of those that accept Christ, believe in Him, and experience the gift of eternal life. But you and I have a choice. The choice is ours. This concept of choice, this truth of choice, this theological understanding of personal responsibility and personal choice goes all the way back to the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. In fact, all through the pages of the Bible. Let me read for you Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 15 and 19. 
See, I have set, God says, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. Then verse 19, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I've set before you life and death. God says, I'm setting before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. God says that you and I have a choice between life and death, not just life here and death here on earth, but eternal life and eternal death, an eternal separation from God, and God encourages us to make the right choice, to choose life. Say those words with me, choose life. Life. It is a choice that you and I have to make. God does not force eternity on anyone. He lets us choose. And this weekend I want to talk to you about some things that will help you to make the right choice. And how do you make the right choice so that you know that you have chosen life, so it becomes a part of your real experience here on earth and the promise for eternal life for you. I'm going to share with you four things that the Bible teaches us regarding eternal life and what we need to understand about it and how we apply it to our lives and how perhaps it can help you today to make the right choice for your life. The first thing we must understand is that heaven and hell are real places according to the Bible. They're eternal places called heaven and hell. The Bible, as we talked about last weekend, if you missed the message last weekend, I would really encourage you to go back and listen to it. It's free of charge. It's available for you on our website. But you should listen to what I talked about last week about the the reality of life beyond this life. And there is a life beyond this life. The Bible talks about the eternal nature of our spirit and our soul. Our body will die and will decay, but our spirit and our soul continue to live forever, and they will live in one of two eternal places. There are only two eternal destinies for the human spirit and the human soul, heaven and hell, and they are not figments of imagination. They are very real places. As surely as you're standing, sitting, experiencing life in a real place today. There is a real place beyond this life called heaven, and there is a real place called hell. Jesus himself treated heaven and hell as real places that we go to, that people will experience. Matthew 25, verse 41, he talks here, Jesus does, about hell. And by the way, if anyone was an authority on these kind of subjects, would you agree Jesus was? Amen? If you want to know the truth about something, find out what Jesus said about it. And here we're going to say, see what Jesus said. Then he will say, Jesus' words here, then he, that's the Father, will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Notice that phrase, the eternal fire. What kind of fire is it? Eternal. Is it last forever? I'll come back in a moment and talk more about that. Then in John chapter 14, verses 2 and 3, we find... Jesus describing heaven for us as a real place. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Notice that twice Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place. I'm going to prepare a place, not I'm going to prepare a figment of your imagination or some mystical experience. He says, I'm going to prepare a place. And so heaven and hell are treated by Jesus and by Scripture as very real places that exist beyond this life. And until we understand that, we will not be a so about it as we need to be. The second thing I want you to notice this morning is that hell is a horrible place. The Bible describes hell as a horrible place. I can only imagine what a travel brochure for hell would look like. 
It's a horrible place. And based upon the Bible's description of hell, it's a place that we should avoid at all costs. If you think your life on earth has been hellish sometimes, you don't understand what real hell is. I mean, sometimes we do go through some hellish things on earth, but it's nothing to compare to what will happen for eternity. Notice again Jesus' statements in Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, about hell. Then He will say to those on His left, Depart from Me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. I want you to notice that last phrase there. Who was hell originally prepared for? Say it with me. The devil and his angels. You've got to get this. Hell was not originally created for humanity. Hell was originally created for Satan and all those angels which now have become demon spirits that followed after his rebellion. See, Satan originally was one of God's archangels. He lived in heaven. He was called Lucifer. And then there came a point in time, the Bible says, that pride rose up in Lucifer and he wanted to be God. He wanted to take God's place. And so he rebelled against God and God cast him out of heaven. And there were one-third of the angels that followed with him and they were cast out of heaven. And the Bible says that God created hell for the devil and for his angels as punishment for their rebellion against God. A created angel rebels against the creator God. Hell was not originally created for people. It was created for Satan and his cohorts. But listen closely, it becomes our eternal destination when we align ourselves with Satan. When you align yourself with Satan, when you align yourself with the dark side of life, when you align yourself with rebellion against God and you align yourself with disobedience to God, who are you aligning yourselves with? You're aligning yourself with the prince of darkness. When you choose darkness over light, you've chosen to align yourself with the prince of darkness. And, and those that make that choice, sadly, are also choosing the, the, the eternal kind of punishment that Satan and his demons were, was dictated and mandated for them as well. Let me talk to you about why hell exists. I'll give you two theological reasons that you need to understand the existence, why you need to understand the existence of hell. Number one, because sin exists. Sin is rebellion against God. Anytime that we say, God, we know how to do life better than you do as our creator, we, we turn our back on you, God, and we go our own way, that's called sin. And hell exists because sin exists. Sin started in Lucifer, and it's now been passed down through humanity because Lucifer in the garden tempted Adam and Eve, and they fell prey to sin. And since that time, all of us have been afflicted with sin, and because of that, we need a Savior. But when we live in sin, we have aligned ourselves with the forces of hell. And so we understand that hell exists because sin exists as the punishment of sin God created this place called hell. Genesis chapter 6 verses 5 and 6 help us to see how much sin hurts the heart of God. The Lord saw, this is by the way right before the great flood that transpired in the time and day of Noah. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the, of the human heart was only evil all the time. So God looked at humanity and said, you know what, they've aligned themselves with the spirit of the adversary so much that all they ever think about is evil. Sounds a lot like our world today, doesn't it? Their, their, their inclination of their human heart is evil all the time. And verse 6 says, The Lord regretted the, that He had made human beings on the earth, and His heart was deeply troubled. Why was God's heart deeply troubled? Because He saw His creation turning against Him. He saw those that He loved turning against Him. Those that He loved rejecting Him. His heart was broken. The second reason why hell exists is because God is just. 
There's a justice of God that brings about this eternal place called hell. See, when there is a, a, an infraction of the law in our world today, we have law enforcement, don't we? We have a justice system. And the justice system is designed to bring to justice lawbreakers. When the law is broken, the justice system is to work, however perfectly or imperfectly it works at times. It is designed for the purpose of bringing lawbreakers to justice. That's the design. And God is the righteous God. And so when there is a violation of His law, when there's a violation, a rejection of who He is and His righteousness and holiness, along with that comes this justice of God, this justice system. And by the way, God is a just God. There is never going to be a perfectly just system in our world, but God will always be completely just. Amen? Sadly and unfortunately, there's injustices that happen in our world. They happen all the time. But I promise you, one day, God's going to make it all right. One day, God's going to make it all. He's going to balance every book, every human injustice that has existed. God is going to put it right. And all of us experience those injustices at times. doesn't make any of them right. But the reality is, is that this world in which we live is an imperfect world. Amen? doesn't mean that we should not work to make it better. We should work to make it better. But at the same time, we realize that reality is man is imperfect, but God is the perfect judge. Notice uh, Psalm chapter 96, verses 11 through 13. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the sea and everything in it shout His praise. Let the fields and their crops burst out with joy. Let the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for He is coming. He is coming to judge the earth. Please read the rest with me. He will judge the world with justice and the nations with His truth. So God says there will be an eternal reward system and there will be an eternal punishment system. And understand that heaven and hell are part of that and hell exists as a part of the justice system of God. Now, by the way, hell is not, going to hell is not a result of God's choice. It's a result of your choice or my choice. God doesn't send you to hell. You make a choice to align yourself either with God or with Satan. So the choice of going to heaven or hell is not a God choice. It's a personal choice that you and I make in our lives. So let's talk about what hell is like. Let me give you four characteristics of hell. I want to make sure that you decide today you don't want to go there. The first characteristic of hell, according to the Bible, it's a place of darkness, weeping, and torment. Matthew 8, verse 12, the latter part of verse 12 says, Into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Bible says that's what hell is like, darkness, weeping, torment. Second of all, it's a place of total separation from God. Can you imagine being totally, completely, forever separated from God, from His light, from His love? 1 Corinthians 16, verse 22, If anyone does not love the Lord, let them be separated from God, lost forever. Number three, it's a place of unending decay and corruption. Mark chapter 9, verses 47 through 49. And if your eye is sinful, gouge it out. Better enter the kingdom of God half blind than have two eyes and see the fires of hell where the worm never dies and the fire never goes out where all are salted with fire. Notice there that it is a place of unending decay and absolute corruption. Number four, it's a place. Please get this. It is a place God doesn't want you to go. That should get a little amen right there. 
Hell is not a place God wants you to go. It's a place He does not want you to go. It's a very, very important point that I want to make here. God has made a way for you to avoid hell. Notice 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise. That's the promise of Jesus coming back again. As some understand slowness, instead He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. What does the Bible say about God? He does not want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God is giving you an opportunity, giving me an opportunity to turn from our sin and turn toward Him. He says, I don't want you to perish. I want you to experience life. Earlier we saw it in Deuteronomy chapter 30. He said, choose life. And so there's the choice that we're made. Hell is a horrible place. The third thing I want to share with you today is heaven is a glorious place. As surely as hell is a horrible place, heaven is a glorious place. By the way, for uh, the next two weekends, I'm going to uh, unpack for you what heaven is like. I'm going to try to answer some questions about heaven. So for two weekends, I'm going to really take you into the heavenly realms. And I'm telling you, we're going to go on a wonderful journey for the next two weekends. It's going to be great. So today, I'm going to give you a sneak preview, okay? This is a trailer, okay? All I'm going to do today is help you see just a little bit of what heaven is all about. So I whet your appetite to be here for the next two weekends as we really take a look at what heaven is all about. But I'm going to share with you six things today that you need to understand about heaven. And then again, we'll unpack it more fully for the next two weekends. First of all, heaven is the place where God lives. Now you say, well, I thought God is everywhere. Yes, God is everywhere. He's the omnipresent God. But His residence, if you will, is in heaven His presence is with us here in the earth by His Holy Spirit. He sent the Holy Spirit among us uh, on the day of Pentecost. And His presence is here in the world by the presence of the Holy Spirit. But God's throne, where is His throne? His throne is in heaven. God's residence is in heaven. Psalm 33, verse 13. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. Where does God look down from? From heaven. Heaven. So where does God reside? God resides in heaven. Second of all, it is where Jesus is right now. You want to know what heaven's all about? It's where Jesus is right now. Let me give you a little history on this so you understand it. After Jesus died uh, for our sins on the cross of Calvary and rose again from the grave on Easter morning, he spent 40 days with his disciples instructing them, and then he went to the Mount of Olives and stood on the top of the Mount of Olives. Today it's called the Mount of Ascension. You can go there and actually visit in Jerusalem. And he went to the Mount of Olives, to the top of the Mount of Olives, and he ascended back to the right hand of God the Father. How do we know that? Because the disciples were there watching this. They saw him go up. It's recorded by people. And so it's not just something God said, oh, just believe this. No, there were actual people there that saw this event transpire. Eyewitnesses of Jesus going back up into the clouds. And then there were angels that attended that event. You can read about this in Acts chapter 1, seeing Jesus going up and seeing those that were there watching him. And then notice what the angels said back to these disciples who were there watching this event. Acts chapter 1 verse 11, men of Galilee, they said, they referencing the angels there, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way as you have seen him go into heaven. So where is Jesus today? He's seated in heaven at the right hand of the throne of God. 
If you want to get a picture of Jesus in heaven, go to the book of Revelation and read about it because you'll see that Jesus is seated on the throne and the 24 elders are around him declaring, worthy is the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. There's worship going on around the throne and Jesus sits at the right hand of God on the throne and he's declaring and praying. He's declaring a day of his kingdom coming when the Father will send him back again. And in the meantime, he is praying for you and me. The Bible says that he spends his time in intercession. Jesus is calling your name and my name before the Father in prayer. Aren't you glad to have a prayer partner like Jesus, okay? That's his ministry today. The ministry of Jesus right now is the ministry of intercession. He is praying for us. If anybody ever wondered if prayer was an important ministry, oh yes, it's a very important ministry. It's the ministry that Jesus is doing right now. The ministry of prayer, interceding, so that's where he is. He's in heaven. The third thing you need to understand about heaven is where believers in Christ go when they die. The very moment, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the very moment that you die, you are immediately ushered by the angels into heaven. There's no delay. There's no stop. As soon as you take your last breath, according to the scriptures here on earth, you will take your first breath in heaven as a believer in Jesus Christ. You simply transition from this life into the next life. And by the way, that's going to happen for every person here. At some point in time, every one of us will die. You must understand that. We talked a bit about that last weekend. But there will come a point in time when by event, by accident, by trauma, by death, by disease, you will breathe your last moment. Your body at some point in time will give out. Your heart will stop beating and there will be an end of this life. And as soon as you take that last breath here, the question is, Where will you go? What will you step into? What will you transition into? And that moment for a believer, according to the Bible, is that immediately you will be ushered into the presence of God by the angels of God. Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 through 23. Paul says, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I'm, going, if I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitly, fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. So Paul was thinking about his life and his ministry. He was going through a very difficult time because he's in the Roman prison. He's writing the book of Philippians from the jail of Rome, the Mamertine prison in Rome. He's saying, you know what? I'm thinking about this thing. And boy, it would just be nice to go on and be with God in heaven for eternity. To die is gain. And he's realizing the fact that to breathe his last breath here would to be welcomed into the presence of Christ. And you must remember in your life as well that as a believer in Jesus Christ that where are you going to go when you die? You will immediately go into the presence of God. That's why we can declare there is no fear in death for the believer. Why? Because the sting has been taken out. Jesus took the stinger out when he died for you on the cross of Calvary. There's no sting in death. It's simply a transition point. You don't need to be afraid of dying. Why? Because you're simply transitioning from this life to a life eternal. The fourth thing that we see in the Bible about heaven is the house of our Father. I love John 14, verse 2. I'm going to ask you to read it together with me. All the campuses, let's all read together. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? Circle that phrase, to prepare a place for you, to prepare a place for you. Say it with me, to prepare a place for you. Here's what you must understand. 
there's already a room being prepared for you in heaven. Some translations say mansion. There's a mansion being prepared for you. There's, the old timers here may remember the song, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. Anybody remember that song? Oh, a few of you do. I'm so glad to hear that today, okay? Makes me feel better. And the Bible says that when you and I die, there's a place being prepared. Think about this with me for a moment. Let's put it in a realm that you and I can understand. It's Christmas season, and many of you will have people who will come to visit family members that are coming home for Christmas. And what will happen is either weeks before they arrive or certainly days before they arrive, you will start getting ready for their arrival. You'll start preparing for them to come. And how will you prepare? Well, you will start cleaning places you don't normally clean. Right? Come on, tell the truth, okay? You'll put fresh sheets on the bed and you'll do all those things that are necessary. And if it's a family member that you're looking forward to spending time with, you'll remember maybe one of their favorite meals and you'll plan that meal in advance or one of their favorite desserts. You'll get ready for them. See, you're thinking about in advance their arrival. And what I want you to know today is that the Father is already thinking about your arrival in heaven. He's making and preparing a place just for you. He knows what you like. He knows what you enjoy. He's preparing a place just for you. See, our God is that kind of God. He cares. He knows you. He knows your favorite colors. He knows your favorite stuff. See, we've got to understand this, 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 this passage from a, from a real standpoint. I believe the Bible. How about you? The Bible says that God is preparing a place for me, for you. It's being prepared. It's being thought about in advance. And when you and I die, we get to go home. See, this earth is not your home. Don't ever think this earth is your home. We're just passing through this place. It's a temporary place, and we'll stay here for whatever our length of time might be. But understand, this is not your home. There's a home waiting for you on the other side. The fifth thing that we understand about heaven is that it's a heavenly country and a beautiful, eternal city. That's what heaven is, a heavenly country and a beautiful, eternal city. No matter how uh, wonderful of a country you live in, and I'm grateful to live in the United States of America, I'm grateful for our country, but no matter how beautiful a country might be, it's imperfect. Every country is imperfect, isn't it? Amen? There's, never, there's no perfect country. Now, we should work to make our, our nation as the best we can possibly make it, but whatever we do, it's going to be imperfect because we're filled with imperfect people, broken people, sinful people. But here's the good news. When you die, you're going to a perfect country. Oh, my goodness, that should have gotten a better shout than that, okay? We're creating some shouting territory this morning, all right? When you die, you're going to a perfect country. Perfect king, a perfect country. And when, you're di when you die, you're going to an eternal city. The Bible speaks to this, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 16. Instead, they, speaking of the saints of old, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. And the last statement I'll give you here today about heaven is that it's a place the Bible refers to as paradise. Well, I like that word, don't you? Paradise. Well, about, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, my wife and I had the one and only privilege we've had as a, as a couple to visit uh, Hawaii. Anybody been to Hawaii before? Okay. 
And I remember stepping off the plane as we uh, landed in Kauai and then also into Maui. We spent uh, uh, a week in both of those, uh, those islands. And, uh, and just, just stepping off the plane and just smelling the air. And I thought, you know what, I think this might be really close to heaven. Okay? <laughs> and that's why they call them the Paradise Islands. Because just beautiful place. Every place you go, seem, the weather seems to be perfect and just the environment so great. But I want you to know, no matter how beautiful a place might have been that you've gone to, that you said, wow, this is paradise. No, it's not paradise. You haven't seen paradise yet. See, Jesus, to the thief on the cross that was repentant, Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, let me tell you what that word means, okay? You ready for this? The Greek word paradise means this. It means a beautiful park or a beautiful garden. It was the word that was used to describe the Garden of Eden. That should go like, wow. Now, I don't know what the Garden of Eden was like, but I'm sure it was a paradise. Would you agree? A perfect environment, an amazing environment that God had established for Adam and Eve. And so when we go to heaven, we're going to paradise, a very beautiful, pleasant, peaceful place that is perfect. And I say this is a wow for our lives. Heaven's, heaven is a glorious place. Here's my last point that I want to talk about and perhaps and indeed the most important part of today's message. The last fourth point is there's a way to get to heaven. Remember I told you that God doesn't want anybody to go to hell, does he? God wants everyone to go to heaven, but you have to make the choice. He will not force that choice upon you. You get to choose. And I want to tell you the way that you can make the choice to get to heaven. See, there's a path to any destination. Anytime you want to go somewhere, you have to know, how do I get there? You might use a map or a GPS, but you need some kind of guidance to know how to get to where you want to get, where you want to arrive. And the same is true for heaven. There is a way, there is a pathway to eternal life. And if, if we're going to be sure of how to get there, we need to understand what the Bible says the pathway is. And so what I want to share with you this morning, it is not my opinion. I'm not here today to share my opinion with you about this. I don't, I don't have the authority to share my opinion. What I want to share with you is what God says about the pathway to heaven. This is what God describes as if you want to get there, here's the way you go. Here's the path that you take. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. John 14, verse 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 through 13, and this is the testimony God has given us, eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life, whoever does not have the the Son of God does not have life. I've written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Let me ask you the question, in all those verses I just read to you, what is the common denominator in all of those verses? What is the common denominator in all those verses? Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you again now that you know the answer, okay? What is the common denominator in all of those verses? Jesus. I think you should say his name a lot better than that, all right? I, I'm going to give you one more shot at it, okay? I want to hear all the way from Frederick and all the way from universities, okay? I want to hear it all together. Here we go. What is the common denominator in these verses about eternal life? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. What I want you to see, you can't, a 
according to the Bible. You can't separate eternal life from Jesus. They are interwoven. You can't say, oh, I want eternal life, but I don't want Jesus. You can't do that, okay? Or I want Jesus, but what does that have to do with eternal life? I want to find my own way to heaven. No, the Bible is very clear. Any verse you read in the Bible about eternal life, it's always linked up with Jesus. You can't separate them. They're, they're, they're one and the same. If you have the Son, you have life. If you don't have the Son, you don't have life. And so you see that this is completely woven together. To have eternal life, you have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so the pathway to eternal life is found in Jesus Christ. It's extremely important that we grasp this in a pluralistic world in which we live. And this pluralistic world will tell you that there are many, many ways to get to heaven. Well, not according to the Bible. The Bible says there is a pathway that will take you to eternal life. And to get on that pathway, it has to do with Jesus. You can't get on the pathway to eternal life without having Jesus on that pathway. It's, it's, it's intricately, intricately ingrained into the process. So heaven is not something that you earn. Heaven is a gift given to you by Jesus Christ. You can never be good enough to get to heaven. The only way that you can get to heaven is by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Let me explain it to you very quickly. I'm going to need a little extra time this morning. Is that okay? All right, I'm going to take it anyway, but uh, we're going to do it, all right? Here's what we have to understand. All of us are sinners. We'll read a passage in a moment. And as sinners, we were guilty before God, and we, had a sin, we have a sinful nature. That's how we're born into this world. And so we are broken. We cannot be right with God. We can't fix ourselves. God is a holy God, and so if you want to spend eternity with a holy God, you've got to be holy, okay? You can't hang out with Him if you're not like Him. And so that creates a major problem for us because we are unholy. God is holy, but God said, I love you so much that I want you to spend eternity with me and you owe me a debt because you have sinned against me and you you violated my law time and time again. But God says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send my son into the world because I love you so much. I'm going to send my, my son to the cross of Calvary and there on that cross at a moment in time, I'm going to put on to Jesus the penalty, the price for every sin that has ever been committed by humanity at any point in time in history. I'm going to charge him guilty for every sin anybody has ever committed, and he's going to pay the price for that, and then he's going to rise from the grave victoriously as I will rise him up from the grave because there is no sin in him, although he paid the price for sin. And then this is what will happen. Anybody that puts their faith in him as the one who died for them and rose again I will take his righteousness and impart it to that person because of their faith and so they don't get to heaven by what they did they get to heaven because of what he did okay this is extremely important you say well I'm just going to be good enough and I hope that God will let me in the pearly gates no you can't be good enough to be good enough means to be perfect like God you can't do that but Jesus did he was sinless And God put on him all the sins of the world so that when you and I look to him, he is our salvation. See, when you are are a sinner, you need a Savior. And Jesus Christ is that Savior for you and for me. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Thank God that Jesus Christ came. This is the advent. This is the beauty of Christmas. 
wonderful to give gifts to one another and to celebrate and to wear red and do all that kind of stuff. I'm all for it. But at the end of the day, understand, you've got to have the Christ in Christmas. Because that's what Christmas is all about. It's about Jesus Christ coming down and doing something for you and me that we did not deserve. But he did it for us anyway because he loved us so much. God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Now what I want to do as I wrap up here this morning is I want to help you to know how do you experience eternal life? How do you make this real for you today? How do you step on this pathway called Jesus Christ for yourself? And by the way, it's something every person you have to make a choice in your own life yourself. can't happen. You, nobody else can do this for you. So every person, I want you to be thinking about you, not about anybody else. This is about you and God right now. You and God. You've got to think about where you are in your relationship with God. I'm going to walk you through what, what is often referred to as the Roman road. It's called the Roman road because it's defined, it's given to, there, there are about four or five scriptures in the book of Romans that tell us how to step into eternal life. Very specific instructions that we can take that will lead us to eternal life. This Roman road that I'm going to share with you this morning, these scriptures are the very same scriptures my father shared with me when I was seven years of age. And I called him into my room one night and said, Dad, I, I'm worried about dying. I want to make sure I go to heaven when I die. And my dad sat down by my bedside and he read to me and led me through these passages that I'm about to lead you through. And that day I accepted Jesus Christ. When I was seven years old, I accepted Jesus Christ into my life. And I've been living for Jesus for 52 years now. Why? Because I met Jesus, okay? Now somebody can put it together. You know how old I am, right? Okay. <laughs> so here's what you do. Step by step, how do you do it? Let's start with Romans chapter 3, verse 23. I'm going to ask you to read these together with me. Let's all together read all the campuses. Read with me. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's where it all begins. Until you acknowledge that you're a sinner, you'll never experience salvation. You can't reach out for a Savior unless you realize you need one. If you, have an, if you have a mindset that, hey, you're okay, you're doing your best, until you come to the place of realizing, no, you're a sinner, I'm a sinner, we're all sinners. We're born as people who are rebels against God. And when God convicts you of that and you become aware of that, it's a very important moment in your passageway to salvation. All have sinned. didn't say some have sinned. It said all have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. Second passage, Romans chapter 8, chapter 5, verse 8. Read this one with me. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I love that. While we were still sinners, what did Christ do? He didn't ask us to change first, didn't he? He didn't say, okay, get your act together, and then I'll do something for you. No, he came and did something for us before we had our act together. Aren't you glad about that? Okay. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us, demonstrating his own love for us. You need to know today that even as a sinner, God loves you. I want to say that again. When you admit you're a sinner, that does not separate you from it. It's just to put you in a position to receive salvation. Because you need to know that as a sinner, God still loves you. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 6, verse 23. Read this together with me. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you and I continue to walk the pathway of our basic nature, and that basic nature is sin, 
there will be a payday. There's always a payday. And the payday, the wages of sin is? Now, it's not talking about death as we think of just the body dying. No, this is, you just see the entire context to this passage. It's eternal separation from God. For the wages of sin is, is death, eternal separation from God. I'm glad the verse doesn't stop there, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So again, we get to make the choice. He says there is a wage that will be paid if you live as a sinner and you never turn from your sin toward God, but if you will turn to God, there's a gift being offered to you. Now, how do we experience this gift? Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Read with me. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Notice what it says here. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. What does it mean to say Jesus is Lord? It means that you come to the place of saying, I'm not in charge of me anymore. Jesus is. I'm not going to call the shots for my life anymore. I'm not going to determine how my life is going to be lived. I'm going to submit myself to the Lordship of Christ. He's going to now take charge of my life. And I believe in my heart that God raised Him from the dead. It doesn't say believe in your head. It says believe in your heart. Why? Because you can believe stuff in your head and it never changes you. When you believe something in your heart, it radically transforms your life. So if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. I love this. You're made just as if you never sinned. I am so glad that when I was a seven-year-old boy and I made this profession of faith, there in that moment, God said, I'm going to make you right now just as if you never sinned. That's what it means to be justified. And it goes on to say, with your mouth you profess your faith and are saved. You experience salvation. And by the way, this salvation transforms your life. If any person be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Romans 10, verse 13. Read this one with me. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Can I ask you, what is the name of the Lord? That name is the name that is above every name, the name at which every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess, and His name is Jesus. When you call upon His name, the Bible says, you will be saved. It doesn't say you might be saved. There's a possibility that God will think about it, see what happens to you. No, it says that you will be saved. Say, there's an assurance to salvation when you follow the right steps. You don't have to worry about it anymore because you know you've taken the steps that's led you to that destination. I'm going to wrap up today with this. I'm going to provide an opportunity today to make sure every person here understands that today you can make the choice. We're going to do this at all campuses. So on all the campuses, to stay with me for the next few moments as I lead you through this time. And there's some of you here today that you have never settled this issue or you're not sure if you've ever settled this issue in your life. Have you made the decision to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Have you really taken the steps that I just led you through? Have you acknowledged that you're a sinner? Have you recognized how much God really does love you? Have you realized that the wages of sin, if you don't turn from sin, the wages of sin, the Bible says, I didn't say it, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But it's a free gift of God in Christ. And today I want you to reach out and receive that gift. And so across all the campuses right now, I'm going to ask for every head to be bowed, every eye to be closed. Gaithersburg, Frederick, universities at Shady Grove, I want every head bowed, every eye closed.
I'm going to ask that no one be looking around. This is a private moment. And I'm going to ask those of you today that have never received Christ in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to acknowledge today that you're ready to receive Him. And you'll do that by, in just a moment by lifting your hand. Again, I promise I will do nothing to embarrass you. I'm here to help you find Jesus today. Whether you're here in Gaithersburg, at our Frederick campus, at the universities at Shady Grove campus, I want you to respond by the lifting of your hand. And even though I will not be able to see it at our other campuses, I'm going to acknowledge through the campus here those who are responding, and I want you to respond as well all around our different campuses today. But if you would say, Pastor Dale, I want to make sure that I'm going to heaven when I die. I want to make sure that I have eternal life. I want to put my faith in Jesus Christ today and receive Him as Lord and Savior of my life. And Pastor, would you remember me in prayer? I'm going to ask you without any hesitation. I don't want you just to, to, to play around with it in your mind. This is a choice you need to make. Without any hesitation, I want to ask you right now just to lift your hand and say, Pastor, remember me in prayer. I want to settle this issue in my life today. Go and lift your hand so I can see it. Thank you. Several hands to my left that are going up, up in the balcony, the middle section here. I'm sure their hands are going up in the Frederick campus, hands going up at University at Shady Grove. Anyone else this morning? Pastor, today I want to give my heart and life to Christ. I'm going to wait just another moment. Anyone else? To my right over here, thank you. To my far right, thank you. You can put your hands down now for each of you that have raised your hands. I'm going to ask you to pray with me a very simple prayer. Again, at all of our campuses, wherever you are right now, I want to ask you to pray this prayer with me. Whisper these words right where you're seated, but mean it with all your heart, and Jesus Christ will save you. The Bible says anyone who will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So whisper this prayer with me right now. Start by just simply whispering the name of Jesus. Say, Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. And God, I am so sorry all the things I've done wrong it's a very important part of the prayer God I'm a sinner I know I am and I'm sorry for all the things I've done wrong Jesus I believe in you I believe you are the son of God the way the truth the life I believe you died on the cross for me I believe that you rose again from the grave I believe with my heart today Jesus Now, Lord, I ask you to come into my life. Go ahead and pray that prayer with me right now. Lord, I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Lord, today give me a new start. I turn my life over to you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. 
Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me, and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward. In Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with the pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.